Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good evening, beer geeks. It's the end of the week. I hope you've got a beer in your hand. Bradley, do you? Oh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I haven't got a beer in my hand right now, but I've, I have had quite a lot of beer this week for once, which has been nice. <laughs> we have. We we had a big old Wednesday, didn't we? Oh, we did. We sure did. Work, working hard, playing hard was uh, it was a good day. Yeah, most people don't combine those two things, but that's kind of the, <laughs> the way that's that how the we roll. channel has to work. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so on Wednesday, we were filming on location for the first time since October for me, mm. and I think for the first time since August for you, Could Brad. be, could be. It's been a, it's been a long while. Had to pop that cherry yeah, again. You, you went on the cider one. So, mm. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 55 seconds in, and we've, we've already hit upon something I need to move on swiftly <laughs> from. Um, so, yeah, on Wednesday, we were at Five Points Brewery filming one of the pre-recorded segments, one of three pre-recorded segments for our live show next Saturday, our live cask broadcast with Five Points. And we were filming a, a double brew day of their best bitter. Yes, mate. Very exciting, exciting stuff. It was. We we were clearly out of practice. We had so many technical oh, issues. We had some equipment issues, didn't we? I, I wouldn't say we had our own technical issues. I'd say it's more like fucking mo- Rode microphones let us down. Shout out to Rode Microphones <laughs> for making shitty hardware. There we go. And there's the sponsorship from Rode out the window. But <laughs> yes, we we had some technical issues and also some weather issues. Anybody who works with cameras will know that the two things you don't want are rain and really bright direct sunlight. And we only had rain or direct sunlight all day. So that was not a lot of fun to work with. No, it wasn't great. Um, I mean, it's such a lovely location. But yeah, it was it was almost... Like people say that English weather, you you get four seasons in one day. And by God, we got four seasons in one day on Wednesday, didn't we? Well, I thought it was more like two seasons because we basically had summer and winter alternating every like half hour. Mm. I think Greg was Greg was a bit like Jon Snow. He just kept coming and saying winter is coming and then <laughs> summer is coming. We were just trying. We just wanted to film like five minutes with him. And uh, it proved very yeah. difficult. So we're not we're not going to be sponsored by the weather service either, but that's fine. Um, but it was really exciting to see Five Points New Space. So they've moved into their from their old site where they started the brewery into their warehouse now, uh, which is a big old spot. Um, and although they're not going to expand immediately, it just makes everything a lot easier for them and a lot easier to film as well. Like internally, it was a dream. And we've got slow mos, we've got 
some serious close-ups. It's going to be a really beautiful uh, little documentary just purely about uh, Five Points Best. A bit like we did with Putty. Um, about three years ago, we, we filmed the brewing of, of Putty and sat down with James, the head brewer. It's going to be a bit like that. So I think we'll release it as its its own video eventually as well. Mate, I was so pleased. I bought I bought myself a gimbal at the beginning of lockdown 1.0, whatever it was, over a year ago. And this is the first time I've got to use the gimbal in anger. So um, 120 <laughs> frames a second, slow-mo, steady cam shots are coming direct to the Craft Beer channel as of this video. Great stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's going to be exciting to see the, uh, the production value finally leapfrog the presenting quality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's time. probably still not brilliant, but um, it's certainly a different look, maybe, some of it. But I don't know how much of that we'll, we'll use. It's just B-roll, right? I mean, it's not like we... Oh, I'm, I'm going to go full Garth Marenghi, and it's just going to be 10 minutes of slow-mo to put it out. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's going to be good. That's going to fill out most of the five-hour broadcast on Saturday. So, yeah, do join us. You can still pick up the cask ale boxes, so it's mini casks, like mini kegs, but of real ale, uh, from the Five Points website, and there's a link in the description box of this podcast. And all over our social, people must be sick of hearing about cask. In fact, I'm saying cask so much at the moment that in the latest tweet where I promoted it, I put, make sure you cask yourself a mini cask instead of grab yourself a mini cask. So I've I've lost all sense of, of um, words meaning cask. Things. Things. Caskinogenic, isn't it? The amount of uh, cask going <laughs> on. It's just so much cask. There it is. That's what we're all here for on a Friday afternoon. I hope I hope somebody's just spat out some beer. That would make me very happy. Um, should we move on to this week's video? Yeah, I guess we better, right? So this week's video was, as we started the video saying, the video that nobody asked us to make. That's what they say about art. Art is something that you do, but no one asked you to do it. So we could say that mild is, is an artistic beer. No, we couldn't. But anyway, it has... I- I, well, I think I think it is. I mean, certainly in the comments afterwards, which we'll get to, people there was a lot more love yeah. for mild than I thought there would be. I thought that our audience, I, I guess, I underestimated them. I thought that um, they consider it old and twiggy, but actually, loads and loads of people singing the praises of mild. So that was um, that was lovely to see. But um, Bradley, what did 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 we blow your mind with the mild video? Did you learn lots? Yeah, definitely. I think that um they they were all more delicious than I probably gave them credit for beforehand. The the Green King one was 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 much better than I thought it was going to be despite the fact that it's from Green King and it was in a clear glass uh bottle. Um but I guess there's no there's no hops to die off, right? So exactly so that mm. doesn't really matter but we definitely got some comments from people going like it's in clear glass and yeah i do understand that and it probably shouldn't be but um it's not not the end of end of the world and yeah i was really impressed with the green king beer although one of the comments said that the coloring comes from uh brewer's caramel which is a an addition that's in like coca-cola and stuff and is supposedly carcinogenic and all this stuff but I've, I've done some pretty deep dives to try and find out whether that's true and I can find no reference to it. So I think it's probably just another way that people, you know, trash Green King. Yeah. I mean, I love I love the, the Double Dark Mild as well. I thought that was that was awesome. Um, really, really very yeah, enjoyable. Beer. I like the fact that our thumbnail bared no sort of correlation 
to the video whatsoever. We were kind of going for um, <laughs> Born to be Mild was my kind of idea. So I, I'd go out my, my sort of leather uh, Clash style, Sex Pistols style leather jacket that I've got um, and pulled some silly faces in the garden, Johnny, didn't I? Because I thought, you know, yeah. we'll get some people viewing a, a video about Mild that might not have viewed it because, you know... And, thought, and we'll really confuse the neighbours too. That's it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're already confused um, when, <laughs> when we're sort of spraying beer around in the garden and doing all sorts of stuff. So it's all part, part of the course. But um, yeah, I thought we'd get more comments about the thumbnail. I don't think we got a single comment about the thumbnail. Um, well, I, the, the thumbnail was very popular on Twitter and in our Discord forum. Mm. Um, and on Facebook, but on YouTube, I guess you click the thumbnail and then you don't really think and about it again. Gone. Whereas it's on social, gone. it sits there. Yes, that's yeah. very true. Very, very um, true. But somebody, when we were at five points, somebody pointed out that there was a link in the thumbnail because Mild is incredibly popular in Birmingham, yes, particularly with uh, Banks's Mild, um, and of course, a lot of the the bands that you are dressed like, yeah, uh, were probably. Black country, black country, black country, country yeah, 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 definitely. So that's sort of, um, you know, that kind of, the, 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 yeah, the kind of black country and that history of the Midlands and all that sort of stuff um, is is deep in rock history with with all sorts of mm. bands from Black Sabbath to to others. Um, but yeah, I guess it was my little sort of homage to that somehow in the back of my mind. I must have been thinking it. Um, what if I just I've just suddenly started thinking about Lemmy? Have you seen the documentary about Lemmy from Motorhead? Um it's great no. if you haven't seen it. So I think it's on Netflix still. And it just follows him and his life living in a tiny little rent controlled apartment um off of the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. Uh and he would go to the, the Whiskey A Go Go every single day and play on the Who Wants to Billy Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, machine which was sat on the bar and he just drink, I think Jack and Cope I think was his drink um, it was the only... I mean we all love the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire machine in a pub, right. I used to play that that's how I spent most of my student uh, student loan at university just in the in the student bar playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and I'm it was, sh- I'm sure it was you not don't the regret. university experience I <laughs> <laughs> not the one I should have gone for but you know i I I won occasionally, and you know, you know, you're welcomed like a hero when you when you cash out on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at uni. Oh, oh boy, man! Oh boy, yep. Popular guy. Stop talking, Johnny. Yeah, well, back back to the video, brothers. <laughs> um, so obviously, with the Stout and Porter video, we we ruffled some feathers. Some beer historians got involved and, and filled in some gaps that that we'd left, or some things that we got subtly wrong. I still stand by the video. It's very close, I think, to all of the reading that I've done. But I think that what we were lacking in both those historical videos, and you know, I'm learning all the time, and I'm doing huge amounts of reading for the book that I'm writing, seems to be more historical than I was intending. This book about seasonal drinking. So the thing that we got mostly wrong in the Porter video is that we didn't mention the other styles of beer that were around at the time. So there were things like things known as Three Threads and Two Penny Ale, which was a bit paler, um, and different things coming about, which also increased the pressure on the brewers, and that's why they started making Porter, because the mild... Um, the profits from the mild were being stolen when they were becoming stale. Um, and I think with the mild video, we missed missed off you know, where mild had come from, which was sort of the brown ales of the um, the 1600s. Uh, under under Queen Anne, when everyone's drinking these these brown ales, these increasingly cheap brown ales as well, because brewers had to reduce how much malt was in there because of the taxation. Um, 
<laughs> and then we also kind of skipped over how we went from you know the mild of like the late uh, late seventeen hundreds. We talked about how Porter took it over, and then we didn't really talk about how mild came back as a style. No, like mild kind of disappeared as Porter took over, particularly in in London. And then it comes back as this dark, low ABV beer. And we had a little bit where we just sort of said, you know, during the war, um, brewers were limited in in the average strength of their beers. So they started brewing lower ABV, um, darker beers, you know, inspired by Porter, which was, I mean, the popularity had kind of waned by then, but it was still people expected dark beer. But, you know, it's something I really want to dive into. Why did Mild own the first half of the 20th century? And where did kind of bitter come out of that? Um, it's something I'm getting increasingly sat, uh, satisfied by learning, and I think I'm going to turn into an old man uh, diving into like the, the Times archives and stuff, and really, really being that guy. Nice. Well, I look forward to uh, chatting at length with you about your research. No, you don't, Brad. Great stuff. <laughs> Should we get some? Uh, comments? What comments did you find? Oh, look yeah. at that. We're synchronous. Um, my comment for for this week's video is from a man with a great name. It reminds me very much of Benjamin Button, which was, in my opinion, a terrible film. But his name is Benjamin Bland. Um, and he says, as someone named Bland, I can confirm <laughs> that I would love to be named Mild. <laughs> and I th- he's got 21 oh, likes on that comment, which I think is probably one of the most amount of likes on any comments on any of our YouTube videos. And, and bless him. Um, uh, I mean, being called Benjamin Bland, great alliteration there. But, I mean, I don't know. What do you reckon about that name? I think it's pretty strong. I think it's a brilliant name. Like, you know, if he was called pretty much any other name in the world, mm. I'm not sure that Bland would really work for him. No. But Benjamin Bland. It's got a ring it to it, hasn't it? sounds like a made-up name for a boring person, and therefore it makes me think that this guy's probably very funny and entertaining, possibly a comedian. This guy rocks. I reckon he's he, he he's definitely a badass. I could imagine... Benjamin Bland being like a sort of vigilante hero um he fights <laughs> against evil in a in a sort of quite mild-mannered way essentially yeah <laughs> he's just like guys 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 well no that would be Benjamin Mild like guys let's just yeah relax right, think about this Benjamin Bland he'd like be bland all up in your face he'd just be like yeah don't just ignore me and then wapam wapam yeah so bland Benjamin Justice. Bland could be he could be almost like a stealth assassin, couldn't he? That his his face just blends yeah. in. He's like a Jason Bourne. He just blends in. <laughs> Did we talk about Jason Bourne the other day? And he said he doesn't blend in. <laughs> this summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol, and London craft beer festivals giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. I, I, yeah, I feel. I mean, I guess he was. Was he a spy or something? But he yeah. caused a lot of havoc 
as he causes well, shitloads of havoc. Exactly... But he's got a face. He's straight out of the James Bond form of spying, which is blow mm. shit up. Yeah. If you yeah. can't hide in that building, blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. Always. But that's not how Benjamin Bland works. No. no Benjamin no, Bland's no. much more subtle. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're ribbing Benjamin now. We actually love Benjamin. Thanks for your comment, Benjamin. And you've got an awesome name, dude. I replied to apologise again. We didn't mean any offence to anybody whose first or second name or third name is uh, is Bland. Do you think there are many um, Michael Milds in the world? Oh, I hope so. Mikey Mild. Mikey Mild. Come on. Mikey Mild's um, Rock and Roll Bar, <laughs> I reckon, would be a hoot. Or Mikey Mild's... Yeah, that'd be a great dive bar. Alagashwit right? on tap at Mikey Mild's. Yep, mm, yep, yep. Yum. Um... Right, so my comment came from uh, Ken Mahoney, um, and he said, Boxcar have also canned a few bitters as well, I believe. What are your guys' opinions on typically car-suited styles going into cans? I personally like them, however, it's a different experience not having the nuances from a conditioned cask. So, I mean, this comment leapt out at me because it's such an interesting topic about how the format uh, that you you put a beer in can completely change it. So, obviously, cask ale depending on how you want to do it, it's basically, it's conditioned in the pub. So when you crack it, it's absolutely fresh, tasting beautiful. Um, and then as it ages on car, so over the, hopefully no more than three days that it's being served, you'll get little nuances, you'll get changes as it slightly oxidized and goes stale. Um, and and generally the best pints are the first few that are pulled out, but there's nice nuances in a little bit later on. So it's, you know, it's the fresh bread of beer. It's warm out the oven. Now, obviously, once you can or bottle a beer, there's two major differences. One is it's going to have sat there, you know, fully fermented and dying off from the moment you package it. And secondly, you don't get natural carbonation unless it's been uh, German-style ungespundeted, uh, which basically means you, you from under pressure, you ferment it to get a really fine carbonation. Sounds painful. So you're going to get a very different mouthfeel. Mm. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um <laughs> So, yeah, you're going to get a very different mouthfeel from that. You know, the slower you carbonate something, generally the finer bubbles you get. That's sort of the rule in in home brewing. Um, And so going into can with fully carbonated, you're going to get a different feel completely. Uh, And I've said, I think even on this podcast, I've said that I don't particularly enjoy real ale style brewing. So bitters, milds, some porters, stouts, um, golden ale stuff like that in bottle like all the classic cask ales like timothy taylor's i don't really enjoy in bottle um but i think for particularly for the dark mild the the double dark mild the ddm yes it really worked because you have so much body in that beer you get that kind of cask feel back big time do i had a sort of think i was thinking about this a double dark mild right so if you're doubling up on mild does that mean that it gets milder it doesn't does it it means it gets stronger right but you would, the word kind of is the opposite of meaning. So it's like stronger yeah, but weaker. Yeah, it's not getting milder. No, but it's yeah. weird, isn't it, when you think I mean, about it? I was, I thought that's like... Also, I mean, that's why it's not a real style name. No. Like double dark mild is still just mild. Mild was a strong beer. Yeah, yeah. Back then. It's an, so really, it's, you should have just called it dark mild. Exactly. But I like that concept. So like, I was, it got me thinking, if you stack a pizza on top of another pizza, you've, you've still got two pizzas. But if you stack one lasagna on top of another lasagna... It, you've just got a lasagna because it's layers, isn't it? <laughs> it's still one lasagna because it's just layers, so it's just a higher lasagna. What do you reckon, Johnny? Uh, 
I, I mean, I, I feel like there could be some philosophy there, but I'm just, I'm struggling to see it, Bradders. I think, honest. I think it's quite profound in that I've discovered but, that the square root of lasagna is just lasagna. You just, you can just add lasagna on top of lasagna infinitum, and it's still lasagna. It's never lasagna, or whatever the but plural. But here, here's would be. a question: if if you get a pizza, mm. put a pizza on top of it, but mm. Upside down. Mm. Do you then have a sandwich? You have a calzone. <laughs> That's not what a calzone is. <laughs> no, a calzone is more of a, pa- a pasta. Sorry, a, a pasty version of a pizza. Um, you have an abomination if you do that, Johnny. That's what you do. <laughs> you don't put the crust both sides out. I mean, I know people People love the, with the big New York slice, they do the, the fold in the middle and then shove it in your gob because it, you do the flip in... The apex of the triangle. That, that's the Italian in. way. That's the Neapolitan way, not the American yeah. way. Well, they do it with the massive slices if they're too sloppy and stuff as well. But, yeah. Um, well, but, I think an American slice should hold its own. Really. Actually, you're right. A bad American I'm talking, slice. I'm talking yeah. nonsense here. They don't do it with the American slices because <laughs> they're don't fucking say massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, just, I was still thinking. I'm just going down an infinite lasagna tunnel of doom where I'm just seeing it just pack up. You know, like. You can't. You can never get to the bottom of the, the, the lasagna because it's, it's just it's just infinite. Um, it, this is starting to sound a lot like a Garfield comic strip. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to move us along to the question of the week, um, which this week comes uh, from Joseph Hunter. It is it's a niche question, Bradley. Go on, I love um, those. We'll, we'll we'll see what we can really add to this, but mm. hopefully we'll find something. So this is this is Joseph. Hi, Brad and Johnny. Um, I'm asking you a question which is probably outside of your comfort zone, which is to do with wild yeast. Um, I harvested my own wild yeast from my balcony in Manchester about two years ago. I've been brewing with it exclusively for the last year. Um, The way that I store it is on a wooden carved stick like a Viking brewer or a kvake ring. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, so between batches, the stick hangs up, it dries, and then I stir the next batch with that stick and get pretty good results. Um, it's a very um, aggressive yeast that finishes very dry, like kind of like a Saison yeast. Uh, recently, I've been thinking that maybe I should um, find ways to store it that are less transitory. Um, I was wondering about uh, isolating the yeast that are working within that colony um do you think it's worth it what are the benefits of doing that and also who could i use to isolate my wild yeast that are affordable for a home brewer like me who doesn't have a huge budget and also are there any styles that you think are particularly um apart from saison obviously um that could be um could benefit from a, a wild yeast strain like that thank you so thanks for the question, Joseph. I think it's probably fair to say that you know more about the practical application and uses of wild yeast, clearly. Um, so we'll try to answer as much as we can, but it might be uh, that your your uh, knowledge is far greater than ours. Uh, let's start with the first question, which was how do you pronounce quake? No one knows. Moving on. Question two, who could you go to to get this beautiful yeast um, you know, isolated and propagated? I mean... 
There are yeast labs all around the country, but I'd imagine isolating it and propagating it is very, very expensive. You know, that's why a lot of breweries prefer to just use dry yeast or buy in their wet yeast on the day of the brew day from these places. Um, however, what, what I'd probably suggest is if there's a brewery near you that makes these styles of beers, maybe go to them and see if they're interested in looking into what it is and, and what it does. Because you never know, you might be able to get a wonderful partnership where they start brewing with that yeast and you get to uh, come along and, and take little crops of it whenever you need it. Um, so I think probably starting with some breweries who might be able to help you for free for their own commercial advantages might be a good idea. I'm not sure where you're based in the in the world, but if you drop us another email, I could perhaps point you to some people that might be able to help. Um, and I'll do a little bit of digging into yeast labs for, for home brewers as well. There must be something. Uh, maybe Maltmiller will have some answers, so I'll ask them too. Uh, on the application of, of you know what you could brew uh, with this amazing flavour, um, I think, you know... We don't actually know what flavor profiles you're getting from this yeast or the levels of acidity that's coming with it or the levels of funk. But, I mean, my favorite kind of sort of non-spontaneous style while brewing is, is like the Saison Printemps, like the, the elderflower spring beers from Belgium, um, which I absolutely love. And it's, you know, if you've started brewing now in a couple of months, um, you might have a really nicely conditioned wild ale that you could toss a load of uh, foraged elderflower over. How does that sound, Brad? Yeah, I mean, love a bit of elderflower in, in the saison. But I, I, yeah, I think it would be really cool to get out there in the wild, where, wherever you are, and collect some local foraged herbs, you know, plants and flowers, botanicals that, that can bring different flavor profiles to to what sounds like quite a funky thing you're working with here. Um, we, we did some great stuff with Yonder in a video where we, we went out foraging with them um, and came back with, with a really fantastically tasty beer. Um, so I'd, I'd suggest having a watch of that video, um, which is on our YouTube channel. And uh, I, just, I just think it sounds like a very fun, exciting thing you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll put a link to that video. I think we were gathering nettles and dandelions I yeah. think, for that beer. Um, but we, we were showing all kinds of really delicious things that you can just pick up off the floor um, and obviously bring like a seasonal element. We're going to be hearing a lot about Johnny and goddamn seasonal <laughs> beer in the coming months. But, um, you know, you you know, winter, you could add a little bit more speciality malts, a little bit of uh, darkness or a little bit of speciality kind of caramel malts and stuff like that. And then start using hedgerow fruits from the UK, blackberries, raspberries, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in spring, switching to strawberries, um, elderflower and, and other stuff like that. Uh, lemon um, lemon thyme is a wonderful addition you can use instead of hops, um, stuff like that. So bring, bringing a seasonal element and foraging, I think, would be a wonderful thing to do with your local native yeast on a stick. Um, cool, so that's all we've got time for this week. The only thing left to do is, is say, do pick up a five points mini cask and also... Uh, the week after that, we've got a live show with Siren. So Siren, for their eighth birthday, are uh, hosting what has to be the most ambitious digital beer festival I've ever heard of. It's It's got multiple stages, pre-recorded segments, interactions, competitions, taste-alongs, cook-alongs, panels. And we're hosting one of those stages with uh, lots of content all throughout the day. So it's going to be... It's going to be big, brothers. It's going to be big. Scary stuff, but at least we're not having to do the technical on it for once, which is uh, <laughs> an absolute relief, let's be honest. 
yeah, we just have to sit in front of the camera and uh, try to remain sober. So, guys, join us join us next weekend for uh, Five Points and the weekend after for Siren and the weekend after that for Pahala. So it's all kicking off on the Craft Beer channel. But it all starts next Wednesday with our next upload. So we'll see you then. The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. Head to youtube.com slash the craft beer channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer.